I think about that every time, like, I, I like, you know, think back and I'm like, I want to be kind to that person because I might be on somebody's list somewhere and I just want to cover all my bases because <laughs> I, I know I've done a lot of things that, uh, man, I might make a list. So uh, I, I keep thinking about that when I think of confession. And, and today we're talking about how confession brings freedom, right? Confession brings freedom. And if any of you have ever been in conflict, um, there comes a time where you're going to have to confess. And I actually think, aside from him crossing his name off the list and putting on lipstick because he's deranged, like, that was a really good confession, right? Like, he thought he, he wronged somebody and he wanted to confess, confess them, and he wanted to confess to them. But the, con- the purpose of conflict, number one, is to glorify God, right? Like, that's one of the purposes of conflict. Like, there's two opposing views. God's not being honored in this conflict. So to resolve it, we bring glory to God. And the other thing is to restore relationships. Last week, we talked about idols of the heart and how if anything is on the throne of our heart other than Jesus, it's going to cause us to be in conflict with others. And so Jesus needs to be on the throne of our heart. Um, And so today we're going to talk about confession. And now the word confession really means repentance. See, repentance is a big word that we say a lot in the church, but it's one of those words that maybe we don't, mean, we don't know what it means all the time. And the word repentance essentially means you change directions. It really means like a 180, like I'm going this way, I realize it's wrong, so I'm going to turn around and I'm going to start going this way. Repentance is like also a brokenness of our heart before God. And that's like the first confession that brings freedom is when we are a sinner lost in our sins and we repent and turn from our sins, realize that we are broken before God and say, God, I'm sorry for offending you. And that is really the first confession that brings freedom is our confession to the Lord, right? And say, God, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. I messed up. Please forgive me. And And that's like the first time is when we're regenerated and become a Christian. And then every day of our lives, according to the Lord's prayer when he taught us to pray, we do that again and again, right? God, forgive me. I messed up. God, please forgive me in repenting of our daily sins. Um, repentance is a result of godly sorrow, where we're sorrowful for what we've done. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 and 11, it says this, and this verse is about godly sorrow and, and really worldly sorrow. Um, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See, what this godly sorrow has produced in you, what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourself to be innocent in this matter. So, repentance... In, in general, is a lot more than just worldly sorrow, right? Um, and here's kind of like the side-by-side comparison to worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is really just you're feeling sad because you got caught, right? Like you're feeling sad because I got caught, or I'm feeling bad because I have to suffer the unpleasant consequences of my actions, right? Right? You were speeding like crazy. 
you are going, you know, 40 over, you get pulled over, you get a big, big fat speeding ticket, and you're just like really upset that you have to pay this fine. You're really not upset that you were speeding, you're just upset that you got caught, right? Um, and it's, you know, I feel bad because I must suffer the consequences of my actions. Um, and godly sorrow, on the other hand, um, means feeling bad because you offended a holy and righteous God. Like, what did I do to my God? I feel just this weight. If you guys remember on Good Friday, or Good Friday, Brian preached on the weight of sin, and he had like a little dumbbell and a really huge dumbbell, and he's like, how heavy is your sin? Is it, is it make you just feel, oh, is it really weigh you down? And when we sin, and we realize we sin against a holy and righteous God, that really is what godly sorrow is birthed out of. Not necessarily just upset that you got caught. Um, godly sorrow involves a change of heart and a change of thinking. And what I think is best is, if you guys remember the story when the prophet Nathan confronted David about his affair with Bathsheba, and he said, basically, you, O king, are the man from that story who wronged his neighbor. And what did David say in 2 Samuel 12, 13? Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. What I did is so bad. I just, I can't believe I did this to my God. I'm sorry. And then it's, that's what repentance is. That's what really the difference between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. In, you know, in the church, people might feel like worldly sorrow because they did something bad and they're, maybe their mom's upset with them and they're upset that they, they're sad because they upset their mom, but they're really not upset that they have offended God. And I, I think that's the difference when we think about this. So, in general, like, confession is about examining ourselves, examining ourselves. Evidence of true repentance is the willingness to examine ourselves. So, when we think of things we've done wrong, you know, we usually think of it in two categories, right? Like, there are mistakes. Mistakes are really just an error in judgment. You know, I made a mistake, um, and sometimes we put everything we do wrong in the category of just a mistake. But sin is a little bit different than a mistake, right? Sin is in a whole different category than a mistake. Sin means missing, literally the meaning means to miss the mark. You were aiming at the target, and you missed completely. But in reality, sin is not just missing God's tar perfect target of how to live like you're supposed to, but it's setting up your own target next to it and aiming it for that. Sin is in rebellion of God. It's sin is against rebellion of God. It's choosing to go your own way. And we oftentimes don't want to admit when we sinned, either against our sister or brother or against God. We hate to admit that we sin because we sin. We, we, we are admitting that we're, flaw, we're filled with flaws. We make mistakes. We're wrong. And I don't know about you, but in marriage, it's so hard to admit we're wrong. Because I think deep down inside, if we admit we're wrong, then we're going to lose all credibility in our marriage. <laughs> now she's never going to take my word to anything I say because I was wrong that one time. But in all actuality, when you admit you're wrong, it actually builds your credibility. It's saying this man could look within himself and realize when he screwed up. And I could respect that. Does that make sense? Or, you know, she 
looked at herself, admitted she was wrong, and that's a sign of true leadership and true characters, when you could look in yourself and realize you made a mistake. But oftentimes, when we, when we sin, we, we usually just minimize it to, hey, I just made a mistake. The other thing we do when we, make, when we make a mistake and we're called out for it is we divert our sin to somebody else. We draw the attention away from somebody else. Now, I don't know about you, but I have three boys, and any time anybody gets in trouble, it's always somebody else's fault. <laughs> right? You know, you slug your brother. I seen you punch your brother. I'm calling you out on it. And I said, hey, you just punched your brother. Now you're going to get, you know, a discipline. It's like, wait a second, wait a second. I punched him because X, Y, and Z. You missed the first part. You only saw the punch. And then I have to explain, you know, this punch is a result of your actions. I don't, I, I know something else might have happened, but I only saw the punch. And how many times do we, we do that when we're older? In, in me and my many years of counseling, we see that of when there's a mistake in marriage and I try to call out the sin in the husband and they say, but you don't understand my wife. You don't understand why I did this sin. You don't understand the situation. And what that is doing is you chose to do the sin that you did and what you're trying to do is say it's somebody else's fault. And there is no way that is ever okay to do in the Bible. You are responsible for your actions. Nobody can make you do anything. That's where I said, remember I said last week, one of the main points was this, I'm not satisfied and it's your fault, right? We say that sometimes, I'm not happy and it's your fault. Or I'm angry and it's your fault. People, if people have that much control over your life, there's some serious underlying problems. If people can control your emotions that easily, then that means that, your priorities are in trouble. And so we can never blame other people for our actions. That's taking our sin and not feeling this repentance, but it's actually pushing it on somebody else and saying that your sin is a result of somebody else. But no, our sin is on us, and true repentance is saying, I'm sorry. And so there is such a thing as improper confessions. Confessions to other people, confessions to God. There's things of improper confessions. Now, let's look at Proverbs 28, 13. I know I'm jumping around a lot, but that's kind of what series is about, but pulling out the truth of Scripture. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, he who conceals his sins does not prosper. So saying if you, try, if you even try to hide your sins, you will not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. I don't know about you, but most of the time, we are really bad at confession. Even if you want to do like Billy Madison did and call your friend from high school and confess, or you want to tell somebody at J-Road, like, hey, I screwed up. I shouldn't have done that. We don't always do it the right way. And I'll give you a, just a quick example. Have you, anybody here ever heard this confession like this? Hey, uh, Sean, if I did anything to hurt you, I'm really sorry. Now, you might think that sounds sincere, but that's actually a bad confession. Why is it a bad confession? I, I, number one, I didn't acknowledge what I did. I, I, I'm using the term if, you know. Yeah, yeah. If I did something to upset you, I'm sorry. 
That means I have no idea what I did. Um, I have no idea if I think that you have a right to be upset, but if you happen to be upset, I'm sorry. And so um, it's not always a good confession if we add an if. Um, what we're really saying when we say that is, I am not sure if I have done anything wrong, but I want you off my back, so I will do some type of confession to quiet you down. <laughs> I'm not really sure what I did, but I'm just sick of you being upset, so please just stop. Um, with this type of confession, if you, were, if you were the one wronged, how would you feel? I don't know about you, but I'd probably feel more angry than before, you know, because there's obviously, there's not, there's not really, you don't feel sorry about anything specific. If you can't see what you did wrong, if you can't see what you did wrong, it's sometimes worse than before you even apologized. And many of you, if you've been married for any amount of time, you probably know what I'm talking about. Hey, honey, you look like you're upset today. If I did or said anything over the last week that upset you, I'm truly sorry. Can you just not be upset anymore? <laughs> it's like, that didn't work. Why? I don't know. I'm like, well, that's kind of what today's about. Um, today is about proper confession. And I have for you seven points, a, a total pastor, maybe total Baptist pastor alliteration. I have seven A's to a proper confession. So if you guys are taking notes, write this down. There is notebooks in the back if you'd like to take notes, or you can write them in your phone. But this is very important. Seven A's of confession. Number one, address everybody involved. Address everybody involved. Um, so when a sin happens or a mistake happens, we need to kind of go to whoever's involved and make it right. And the first one is, is we start with God. If I did something to offend anybody in this church, I really should start with God and say, God, what I did was not kind. You asked me to be kind and love my neighbors. I didn't. I'm sorry, God. And so I go to God first, and then I go to the person I've offended. A good example of this is the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. In Luke chapter 15, 18 and 19, it says this, um, the prodigal son was like eating out of the pigsty. He left his father's home. He squandered his inheritance on wild living. And while he was there, when he finally hit rock bottom and knew he messed up, he said this, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he acknowledges that I screwed up I squandered my inheritance, and I spent all your money, but I sinned against heaven when I did that, and I sinned against you. And so we need to realize any time we're in conflict with somebody else and we sin against somebody else, we're also sinning against our Father, so we need to start with God. And here's, here's kind of a, a, a big tip, and I hear this sometimes. If our sin is only in our hearts, we really just need to bring that before God we don't really need to bring it to that person that we were just upset with in our hearts because it doesn't necessarily always need to be brought to that person if it didn't include them in real life. Does that make sense? Okay, let me, let me build that out a little bit. If our sin is in our heart towards somebody and we were bitter towards somebody, they had no idea. They're just carrying on their life. I was angry at them. I was bitter. I have to deal with that in my heart before God, but I don't always need to tell you if my actions never came to you. Here's a good example. If I went to Tom and said, hey, man, I just want to let you know that I have hated you and I've always thought you were a no-good idiot for the last three months. 
I have been so bitter towards you. Will you please forgive me? That person, like, that person never knew that there was anything wrong. And now you just confessed, like, the dirt of your heart, which really probably wasn't at the place to do it. You probably didn't need to say that. You know what? I kind of hated you for a long time, and I don't know why, but God's changed my heart, and now I kind of like you. You know, it's like, guys, there's some weird stuff that happens in our heart where Satan makes us think a certain way and do certain things. And many times we just need to pour that out to Jesus and have him do our heart check. And it just needs to stay between us and God in our prayer closet. And it doesn't need to go out to that person because it never manifested itself to that person. Does that make sense? And it's good. Um, Maybe if you guys feel like your relationship has developed so much and you feel like you had to confess, that's one thing. But usually if it's in the heart, it stays with heart. So work within the sphere of the wrong. If it's a heart problem, you, you go to God. If you wronged an individual, you go to an individual. If you wrong a group of people, you go to the whole group. If you sinned against five or six people, maybe you feel bad about gossiping and you gossip to two people, you go to those two people and say, hey, I'm really sorry that I gossiped. That was not right. Um, forgive me, please, and move on. Does that make sense? Stick within the sphere of who you wronged. Um, number two, first one is address everybody involved. The second one is avoid the if, but, and maybe words. This is very important. So husbands and dads, if you're listening, please pay really good attention. Uh, I'm only saying that because there's a rule I learned a long time ago is happy wife, happy life. And if you guys can get this right and lead your homes well, you will be so much better off because sometimes, regrettably, even I have made these mistakes, are horrible confessors. And if your confession includes an if, a but, or a maybe, it ain't a confession. Okay, let me break that down for you real quick. Um, if we go to somebody and say, hey, I am sorry if I offended you. Why did the if ruin the confession? You just implied you don't know what you've done wrong. How can you confess if you have not done anything wrong? And so it's not, as we talked about. The second one is but. I am sorry I hurt your feelings, but you really upset me. Is that a good confession? No. If you need to tell somebody that they hurt you, you can do that in another sentence. You can do that in another paragraph, but it does not have to do with your confession. Does that make sense? Okay. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings, but you really upset me. Why did the but ruin the confession? Yeah. You're really not taking ownership of what you did wrong. All you're doing is blaming them for your actions. That's all you're doing is you're saying, I am, I was a jerk, but you are the reason I was a jerk. So just stop what you're doing and I won't be a jerk. Right? You just act better and I won't be a jerk. And that is not how we as Christians are supposed to live our lives I show love and respect to my wife regardless of how she treats me. Because if our feelings and emotions are just based on how each other acts, we're going to be in a vicious cycle of sin all the time where I said something rude to you, she responds rude back to me, and then I respond ruder back to her, and then we're just in a vicious cycle. 
Same with our friends. Like, I treat people with kindness, not because they treat me with kindness, because that's what God asked me to do, right? God doesn't say, hey, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and you should display these to people who are really nice to you. It's like, no, you're supposed to live out the fruits of the Spirit to everybody, regardless of how they treat you. It's just, and you're like, well, what if they're really mean? Well, Jesus said something about that. What did he say? Love your enemies and bless those who curse you. The people that are so mean to you, they're actually called your enemies. I have a special paragraph in the Bible about that. It's called love your enemies. Man, somebody just hates you. They throw dog poop in your yard. They do all this bad stuff to you. You're supposed to love that person and give them a Mother's Day card on Mother's Day and say, I love you. Very hard to do. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it comes natural. But living the Christian life sometimes is just doing things that you're not used to and getting outside of your comfort zone, right? And so when we add those things like if, but, and maybe, the other one is maybe, maybe I was wrong, it implies that you're not taking responsibility of those. So get rid of those words, if, but, and maybe. The third is this, admit specifically. Admit specifically. When we confess, think about what you did really specifically and say it. Like, literally say it. If you used harsh words, say what you said and say, I'm really sorry I did that. The more specific we are with the people that we are confessing to, the more healing that is going to be brought to that relationship, right? Like, hey, sorry I was mean the other day. No, sorry I called you that particular name. That should never come out of my mouth again. Will you forgive me? Does that make sense? It means that what I said really bothered me, and I want to confess it to you, and I want to be specific as possible. Again, if the person we're confessing to, if they think that we have no idea what we're confessing to, it's not a real confession. So we want to be specific. Um, here's a good example. Confess, uh, I have put false expectations. I've put on you false expectations. I got mad at you when uh, I got mad at you. I, I left you and I spent, I was mad that you spent more time with them than me. It was an act of jealousy, and I was wrong. By doing that, I started acting mean to you. And so it's acting this all away. It's, it's acting this all together and putting this all together for them. So if you were jealous, admit what you were jealous about. If you were, if you were just feeling guilty, admit what you were feeling guilty about. If you said something mean, explain the whole situation and be specific as possible. If you were harsh and unloving with your words, and God has convicted you about that, Explain that. Say, my critical comments were wrong. I not only was wrong against God, but I was wrong against you. And, and confess our sinful actions. So when we say and we're specific, it brings healing to the situation and it can move on. The fourth is this, acknowledge the hurt. So when we want to make a confession to somebody, we not only just want to like clear our own plate, and say, hey, I, I was very hurtful when I slammed the door on you. 
I'm really sorry. Everybody's like thinking I'm using specific things. I'm just throwing out things just for conversation's sake. I'm really sorry I slammed the door on you. That was rude. It was intense. Please forgive me. I realize that that probably made you feel really unsafe. Do you realize that me adding that last sentence like totally acknowledged your hurt? I'm not just upset that I feel guilty. I'm upset that my actions made you feel a certain way. So when I slammed that door when I was angry, that probably made you feel really unsafe, and I am sorry. Don't you guys see how being specific and um, acknowledging the other person's hurt can bring so much healing? It just brings our guard down because your husband will know that you actually cared. Your wife will know that you actually cared. Your friend will know that you really, like, thought about this and you really care. You know, a good one is a good one for husbands and wives, as I always say this. Um, I always notice at parties, if I'm with mixed couples, if a wife is belittling to her husband, I always notice his face just becomes downcast immediately. Um, Even if it's joking. Hey, this guy can't fix anything. And we're at a party. I mean, that is like one of the worst things you could do to a man. It demoralizes him. His face goes down. This guy is always late. This guy can't cook. This guy is really a mess, a slob. And his face just turns down. Because the one woman he lives with and knows him the most is bad-mouthing me in front of a group of people. It's like he just ripped the spine right out of his back. It's just like, ah. And when, if that ever were to happen and you notice it, you know, the wives out there, you could say, like, specifically, acknowledge the hurt. I acknowledge that when I said those things about you, it really made you feel, like, just super low in front of a lot of people. And I'm sorry I did that. And then, and then there could be healing. Like, okay, she knows how that makes me feel. And then we can move on. And so it, it goes both ways. When we acknowledge the hurt we can really start to get to the root of the problem. The fifth is this, accept the consequences. Accept the consequences. Uh, The prodigal son said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. I squandered my whole inheritance. I'm ready to just be one of your servants. I know that you won't even treat me like a son, so just make me like one of your servants. Um, when When we accept the consequences of whatever we did wrong, um, we're going to have to at some point. It doesn't matter what we did. And some of us, you know, it's like writing, it's like if you hit somebody's car in the parking lot out there, right? And you knew it was like Evan and Tiana's car, you know, their business names on the side, and you hit it, and you're like, ooh, uh, I'd you just drive away? <laughs> I don't know. Nobody's probably ever did that here. But if you ever did, Maybe like the next day you feel like a moment of clarity, like you feel guilty, I need to confess. You call them up, you admit you're wrong, admit specifically, acknowledge how that made them feel that somebody from church hit their car and drove away and never said anything, and then really to accept the consequences and be like, why don't you take your car to get fixed and send me the bill? That's really the right thing to say, Right? I'm going to pay for whatever the damages are. Like, let me know, because that's like owning up to what you did, except the consequences. Um, another example is you could say something like, um, beginning tonight, I'm going to call every person 
that I talked to admit that my statements were not true. I lied to you, I lied about you to a few people, but tonight I'm going to call them all and let them know what I did was wrong. Don't you see how pairing that with a confession could just make it amazing? That this person's really serious about doing what's right. This person is really on the right track. And so number six is alter your behavior. When we confess our sins to God, if we have no plan of altering our behavior, it's not truly confession. Right? God, I'm really sorry I got drunk and drove my car last night. That was so stupid. That was so bad. Please forgive me. When you have every intention of doing that again, that's not a confession. When we are repentant before God, we are going to try to find a way to not sin again in that same way. So whatever I did, I'm going to try to do something different. I'm going to try to change my behavior because that's what God wants us to do. God, I'm sorry I did this. Um, I'm sorry I looked at pornography. I know this is sinful and evil. Starting today, I'm going to get rid of my computer. And I'm going to, like, get a flip phone and I'm, because I don't want to do this again. I mean, if somebody does something that drastic or they take some steps, it means that they are dead serious about getting over their sin. And so when you confess to somebody, explain to the person how you plan to change your behavior in the future. You know, you could say something like, with God's help, the next time we are at a party, I will try to only say things that uplift you. With God's help, when I leave the room upset, I will not slam any door, and you are free to call me out on that because I'm not going to do that again. Do you guys see how we're saying, hey, I'm going to change my ways? That's what repentance is all about is you're going this way and you're changing your ways to go this way. You could say something like this, Honey, I'm sorry I acted this way. I'm going to go to our MC leader and ask them to hold me accountable with these actions. And they're going to call me and hold me accountable. I want to do something to change my ways. And the seventh is this, is ask for forgiveness. This is really important because if you tell somebody you're sorry, you could be saying all these things but not really asking for forgiveness. And I encourage you, whenever you make a confession to anybody, always specifically say, will you forgive me? And then give that person time to think about it. They might not be ready to forgive you right then and there. Don't push them for an answer right then and there. They might just need time to pray about it and think about it. But here's the thing. If I say, hey, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings, that just means I feel bad. It's good. But when you say, will you forgive me? You are asking them to essentially be like Jesus and release you from your sins. When we ask our spouses to forgive us, we are actually asking for permission to be let off the hook from that sin. And so when they think about it, maybe they've already thought about it, and they say, I forgive you, that matter is put to bed not to be brought up again. So that's why it's important that we actually say, I forgive you. Because we have this thing in our marriage that if we make a mistake, there's a problem, I totally screwed up royally, and I say, will you forgive me? 
and she thinks about it and says, yes, I forgive you, and I have a plan to alter my behavior and all these things, if in three weeks she brings up what she just forgave me for, she didn't really forgive me. And that's a lesson for all of us. I mean, it might be in your mind, but you can't bring it up and throw it back in their face like weeks later because you forgave them. And isn't it amazing that we have a God that when we ask for forgiveness, he doesn't throw it back in our face weeks later? The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so are your sins for me. I'll remember your sins no more. And though we are human, we're flawed, if I sin against my wife, she may not forget it because that's not really a, like, not always possible. But when she remembers it, she brings it to the Lord and say, God, help me not be upset with this. He asked for forgiveness. I forgave him, and I'm going to move on. And this is so important. So, like, anytime we work our kids through conflict in the home, you know, they slug their brother in the face, we help them work it out. And they say, we, we actually, especially when they're young, make them say, hey, ask for forgiveness. It's like, hey, sorry I hit you. Will you forgive me? And we actually ask the other son when they're ready to say, yes, I forgive you. Actually use those words. We do that in our marriage. Will you forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. It, when my wife asks me for forgiveness, I don't say, ah, it's all right. I actually try to say, I forgive you. It's not trying to make her feel bad for what she's done. It's not trying to, like, put a win in there. It's actually me just saying that I'm letting this go. And I am granting you forgiveness like Jesus has offered me, like you've offered me hundreds of times. I'm offering it to you and vice versa. And this is the way a healthy marriage works. This is the way healthy friendships work. Because if you guys want some awesome friendships in this world, you guys are going to go through some hard times. Every friend that I have that's a close, dear friend, we've had to do this many times. Because we're sinners. We mess up. And, it's, and so these are the things I want to encourage you with. And um, in a minute, we're going to take communion. But in the time to reflect, how well are you at saying, I am sorry? Husbands, how well are you at saying, I'm sorry to your wives? And wives, how well are you at saying, I'm sorry to your husbands? Friends, how well are you at saying sorry to your friends and people in the church that you've hurt? And who in your life do you need to apologize and ask for forgiveness? If there is somebody you need to, I encourage you to do that today. So let me pray, and Tom's going to come forward for communion. God, I love you and thank you for your goodness. Uh, God, these seven A's were a lot to get through, but God, I pray that we put them into practice every day of our lives. But most of all, God, when we sin, help us go to you and ask for forgiveness, knowing that we receive it, and help us go to those that we have hurt. And help us be great at confession so there is freedom, so we don't have to walk under the weight of our relational sin in our relationships. So God, we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.